Uh, music of Tony Banks, one of the founding members of the progressive rock group Genesis. And he uh, went back to his classical roots a number of years ago. The first release was his orchestral suite, Seven, and that was the final, the seventh movement, The Spirit of Gravity. All right, it is my very great pleasure, all of my music peeps, to introduce you to Ted Neely. Uh, we've been chatting here for a little bit, getting a little bit acquainted, and I am so stoked, <laughs> is not even the right word, uh, to be able to say hello to you, Ted Neely, and welcome you to Music on Perspective this afternoon. Well, thank you very much, and hello to you too, dear Mindy. Well, I have to say, this was one of those movies that it, my parents took all four of us kids to see. And, you know, being kids, we were all like, oh, I wonder what this one's going to be, you know. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I can remember thinking to myself as we started watching it, for some weird reason, you know, I, I don't remember being especially precocious at that age, but it struck me watching immediately the visuals, the presentation, and of course, the music, the dancing, the acting, that this was something that was going to be life-changing for me, that I was going to walk out of that theater and not be the same kid that walked in. And that has held so true for 50 years now. <laughs> that That's amazing, don't you think, to have a film that is that extraordinary in its scope and power. Do you have any idea what you've just done to my spirit? <laughs> I'm I'm flying up over the moon right now. Oh, I love that. <laughs> this is wonderful. I, I and I, that's how I feel that I had the absolute honor of being part of this cast. I had no idea that could ever happen, but it did, and I'm still loving every minute of doing these screenings. I still do the performances whenever needed, and I, it's like the first time all over again every time we do it. Well, you know, there's so many things I would love to dig into just about the film itself, but uh, it, it strikes me that this was really not like your first gig, you had been a musician. Uh, we were talking about how you grew up in Ranger, which is a town about as small as my hometown. And yeah. <laughs> you were like the only band, so you had plenty of gigs and you could practice together. So you must have had some idea early on in your life that music was going to play an important role in your life. Oh, there's no question, uh, because uh, my older brother Jack and my younger sister Peggy and I sang every single night with my, our mom and dad. My dad was an oil field worker, and when we'd come home from work, he'd hop in the shower, we'd have dinner, and then we'd go in the living room, and he'd get out his guitar or his ukulele, and we would sing until bedtime. And we actually were singing songs with them before we could speak the language. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So music was your first language, really. Absolutely right. You, you couldn't be more correct. We all loved everything we heard in music, you know. And we were radio freaks because we could hear it on the radio, all of that. But it was amazing to be able to sing with our parents because they were both very good singers and they taught us how to sing harmony and all that. So it was an absolutely pleasurable experience every night when Daddy came home for dinner. 
Oh, I love that. Those memories are so powerful, those first introductions to music. And if they happen to come, you know, from a family member or especially parents, I think that's, that is probably the best introduction that a child can have to this world. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more, literally. It, it, it made us so comfortable, see? So whenever we had the chance to sing in public, we were fine. Yeah. We were all members of the church choir, you know, and we sang every Sunday and every prayer meeting Wednesday and all that. So, And then we started getting asked to come to parties in people's homes and then to play for gatherings that were happening in the football field. And so <laughs> we had a wonderful time. I kind of wondered if that was how it went, because I, I happened to see you comment uh, to someone else that was chatting with you, and your enthusiasm for getting on the stage every night was so apparent. And I thought that that's the hallmark of a real performer, when they cannot wait, literally, <laughs> to get back on stage. And that's why well, you're absolutely right. And that, that's how I feel. And the great thing about it is now when I'm not on stage, we're doing these screenings all over. And oh, what a celebration that is. I mean, I have seen this film uncountable times. <laughs> every time I sit down, and especially when I'm sitting between two VIP folks and in the VIP section watching the film, I, it's like I'm a little boy celebrating my birthday all over again. They just have so much. But people come, people come dressed in costumes from the film. They come and dance and sing. Oh. And we do this whole thing with the VIPs where we spend an hour uh, with the VIPs in the theater just talking things like you and I are talking right now before the rest of the people come in. And then we do the, the thing, talk back with the entire audience. We, I mean, my, my business partner, Frank, and uh, any of the other what we refer to as the grateful eight principles of the film. <laughs> we talk with the audience and then we show the movie. And then after the movie, I wait in the lobby and say thank you to everybody who was there. It's just overwhelmingly wonderful. And I'm the, so, I'm the luckiest man alive to be able to continue to be a part of this. Well, you know, that was the other thing, and I'm sure you've told this story a hundred times, so I hope you won't mind if you recap it for me, because I, I found this so fascinating. Talk about the, the this is life of show business or a musician or a performer. Uh, you auditioned, and you sang uh, For Once in My Life. I love that. And then they asked you to sing a romantic song or a ballad and so you sang the same song only like tony bennett would sing it which again ah, you did research this <laughs> <I> did. well <laughs> absolutely and, and I, I i didn't go to audition uh but we were in los angeles playing nightclubs and these five musicians used to come and see us in hollywood all the time no matter where we were in hollywood or, los, or panama city anywhere we were in the california uh, los angeles area and one night they came in and we it, it was because of them that we had a, a following the time we were there because they brought all of their friends. So no matter what club we were in, they came and brought their friends. So the club owners that we worked with told us, well, since you have such a great fan base, uh, we every night when we finish, which is around 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, playing in the nightclub, uh, we it'll take us about an hour to an hour and a half to get everything cleaned up before we get out of here. So if you guys would like to invite your friends for after a show party, do be our guest. So we did. Okay, one of the nights, one of the boys said, "Hey Ted, are you working in the day tomorrow?" And I said, "No, you know we work nights." 
why he asked. He said, well, the five of us actors have an audition tomorrow for a new Broadway show, and we would like you to come and see what we have to put ourselves through to maybe get a job. So I went to watch. So the parking lot was magnificently full of people that nobody knew who were auditioning. And the guy said, I didn't know there were going to be this many people here. So the only way you're going to get in is if you just follow us and, and do what we do so they'll think you know what the actor's equity thing is all about. So I went, and I got it, and we went inside. We couldn't see the place because we were in the lobby in the theater, but we could hear the piano and a singer. So when they called the numbers of, the, of all the guys, we all six of us now went in together and sat down and they called the name of each guy one at a time and it was just a piano player and a singer and even though there was that was going on in there it was completely dark except for the light over the piano so you couldn't see anything in the theater so i'm sitting there watching each guy go up and do his singing and i was amazed that they had them sing just a piece of a verse and not even a full hook of a song i said how can they tell if you're talented if that's all they get to sing you know uh -huh. so I, I kept watching and watching finally they finished so they came walking up the aisle and i stood up to get out suddenly those five guys picked me up carried me down the aisle onto the and threw me onto the stage in the darkness of the theater all i saw was a piano player or another light so i thought well okay i'll go this is what they piano. go through <laughs> i went over to the piano and on the way to the piano i hear are you mr neely and i didn't know where that voice was coming from because i couldn't see anything in the dark so i just said yes what have you prepared for us today, Mr. Neely? And I went, nothing. I can't watch. I don't even know what you're doing in here. <laughs> I'm a rock and roll drummer. I, I just wanted to see what these guys do. Well, then, uh, can you sing, Mr. Neely? Yes. Would you sing us a, a, a up-tune rock song that shows your ability to, you know, your rhythm and all that as a drummer? So I went to the piano player, and I said, do you know Stevie Wonder's version of For Once in My Life? He said, yeah. So I sang a piece of the verse and a piece of the hook, and I turned to the piano player and said, thanks, and I started to walk away. Before I could take two steps, the boy said, uh, pardon me, Mr. Neely, uh, could you sing us a ballad, a love song that shows your passion and your, your dedication to making people happy? So I go back to the piano player and said, uh, Think same song, but think Tony Bennett. So I did two pieces of the same song. They didn't hire any of the actors. They hired me. <laughs> and the show was hair. Oh, I love this story. This is so great. So this was just totally I something. had no training in theater. Yeah, I'm a screaming rock and roll drummer. Exactly. You <laughs> were a musician. Yeah, I love that. You were a musician, and you suddenly got pushed into the world of acting and performance. In, and in, I in am so way. honored that that happened, and that wonderful director who said, Are you Mr. Neely? He <laughs> was the director of Hair. Now, Hair had already uh, started his first theatrical experience in New York on Broadway, and they were doing uh, the the first tour, which was going to be out start out in Los Angeles, and that's the thing that they hired me for for the national tour, playing the central lead character, Claude Hooper Bukowski, in the show. 
He took me under his arm. Tom O'Horgan was the director, as if I was his son. And he did everything he could to make me comfortable on stage. And I did Hair, Sergeant Pepper, Tommy, Tommy and yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. He directed four, excuse me, three of those four. He didn't direct Tommy, but while we were rehearsing in Tommy, the director came and told me, Ted, I just want you to know our dear friend Tom O'Horgan told me I should hire you to be Tommy. So he put me in all four of those shows. Had it not been for that accidental observance of those actors auditioning, I'd still be playing drums somewhere, (laughs) probably out in the desert screaming for a job. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating to think what a what a different arc your life might have taken had not for that you know group of serendipitous events just sort of lined up. You're just absolutely kept, correct. Yeah, it just like, kept opening one door. About something even more about serendipitous regarding the filming of Superstar in Israel. While we were there, it was everything about it was magnificent. Every single day was a miracle, literally. It, no matter where we went, we felt we were walking in somebody's footsteps that somebody of us was pretending to be. Mm. So we had that whole inspiration that made that wonderful every moment. So if that wasn't enough, while we were there making that film, I met the beautiful lady who became my wife. A dancer in the film, ballerina from the National Ballet of Canada, Leanne Granger, and she's still putting up with me today. <laughs> so literally, it helped you start your life in some way, Absolutely. Too. It gave me It life. gave you it a gave life, me yeah. life. It gave me a career. It gave me an opportunity to be talking to you now. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Boom. Mind blown. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. You know, I also saw that initially when when they were thinking about uh, bringing Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, moving it from the stage to the big screen, uh, the idea was that they wanted some uh, rock and roll stars or faces that they thought people would instantly uh, attach to because they knew them. Uh, there was several that were being considered at the time, John Lennon, I think, Mick Jagger, uh, Robert Plant. Uh, and yep. ultimately, and that would have been for both of the top roles, as I understand it, for, for both yes. Jesus and Judas. And ultimately, yes. they went with you and Carl Anderson. Uh, what yes. do you think it was? I mean, I'm sure you guys were fantastic at your audition, and there's no way even those greats could have even come close to what you guys did in the audition. But do you think there was anything else that maybe pushed their minds in the direction of casting you and Carl in these roles? Absolutely. When we went in for our audition, we both carried a gun. Ooh, Ooh. I thought that would make you laugh. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) No, we had no idea. Neither of us had ever done anything in theater. Carl was a jazz singer with a band, and I was a rock and roll screaming drummer with a band. And our paths crossed a lot, you know, cross country, so forth. And uh, we we had no training in theater at all, and and we'd never been in front of a film camera. But Norman Jewison, who was the director of the film Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, 
was a dear friend of our mutual friend, Barry Dennon. Barry Dennon is the man who played Pontius Pilate in Jesus Christ Superstar. Barry also did the film Fiddler on the Roof with Norman Jewison just prior to the film Jesus Christ Superstar. So they became friends. And, and one day on the set of Fiddler on the Roof, they had a technical problem with some cameras. So they were, they were down and just sitting and waiting for it to be fixed for a couple of hours. So Norman asked Barry to come over and have a conversation. And they went for his coffee and sat down and started talking. And in a few minutes, Norman says to Barry, you know, Barry, I love that brown album, Jesus Christ Soft Superstar, that you're on. I just love it. And I want to do a film of it. Uh, do you have any connection with uh, either Tim Rice or Ann Rudolph Weber? And Barry started to talk. And he said, oh, excuse me, his phone was ringing. So he reached his pocket, pulled out his phone. He said, hello? Yeah? Hold on just a minute. It's Norman Jewison <gasps> wants to say hi to you, Tim. He handed him the phone. That's how Norman Jewison was introduced to Tim Rice by Barry Dennon. Okay, so they became dear friends, bottom line. And Norman then was... Going When he finished up all of the Piddler on the Roof, he was doing the screenplay and all that, getting prepared for us to go do it in Israel. And uh, at the same time, even though Carl and I knew nothing about what Norman Jewison was doing, because we were big fans of his, but we didn't know what movie was next and all that. And Carl and I had been um, cast to open the very first national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar at the Universal Amphitheater in Hollywood. And we were in rehearsals for that. You always rehearse for at least four to six weeks before you do a show. And one night in the hotel, around three in the morning, my phone rings. And I'm going, oh, God, who's calling me this? Oh, it's got to be somebody from home. So I said, hello. Voice said, Ted. I said, yes. Norman. Now, my dearest friend as a child was Norman Glenn Carroll. I thought it was my buddy, Norman <laughs> King Carroll. So I'm doing my Texas twang with Norman Glenn Carroll. And Norman Jewison said, excuse me, Ted, you have me mixed up with someone. No, this is Norman Jewison. And I fell out of the bed. I, 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 what's Norman Jewison calling? I was a big fan of his movies. What's he calling me for? I, 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 so I got up and I said, well, how are you, sir? He said, just fine. He said, yeah, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. We're in rehearsals out here. He said, yeah, I know. You're at the, the new amphitheater for the opening of the national tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. I just wanted to recommend you and say how we hear that you're good at what you do. Uh, he said, uh, but I would like to let you know that our mutual friend, Barry Dennon, recommended that I test you and Carl for this film I'm making. And I didn't know what the film was. And I thought, oh, he's going to think I'm an idiot if I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but, but I said, well, uh, may I ask a question, sir? Forgive my ignorance, but what film are you doing? And he laughed and said, Jesus Christ, superstar. And my heart just jumped out of my throat. I, uh... Oh, okay, okay, okay. He said... Um, <laughs> He said, uh, so I'm going to do what Barry said, because I really trust his opinion. Uh, but you can't tell anybody, right, because I have to work it out with uh, Universal there where you're rehearsing to get you and Carl to do a screen test. He said, I'll get back to you as soon as possible, but please just keep it to yourself, okay? I said, okay. And 
put the phone down and had another heart attack. Anyway, so <laughs> they go into this, go in and we're rehearsing. And <laughs> Carl and I always, you know, came at different times because of rehearsal schedule. But that particular day, we were both called in first uh, to, to work on just some Jesus and Judas things. And we... It, we we didn't know we were going there at the same time, and we actually came in, entered the town stage where we were rehearsing <clears throat> from opposite sides of the stage, and everybody could see us as we walked in. And and when we saw Carl and I saw each other, we literally ran to the middle of the stage and hugged each other like we'd never seen her for years. And everybody in the cast thought, "What's wrong with those guys? Uh, what are they doing that for?" You know. Anyway, so bottom line here is we did. And we thought he was going to just come there one day and come to our rehearsal place on one side. And then we'd go to the next one right next door to us and sing a song on our lunch break and come back and go to work. Norman Jewison took us both to London Pinewood Studios to be screen tested for Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, my goodness. He had Carl sing Heaven on Their Minds. He had me sing Gethsemane. And the, the whole crew, everybody applauded. Oh. <laughs> Norman ran up to us and said, Oh, that was great, fellas. Could you do me a favor? Sure. What is her? He said, You know that scene in the Last Supper, at the end of the Last Supper, when Judas and Jesus are having that big argument with each other? Of course, we'd done it several times because we'd been doing this show for quite a while. We said, Sure. He said, Could you do that? So we did that. He and Norman loved it. The crew applauded once again. And Norman ran up and gave us a hug and said, that was great. Now you two get back to California and do your job like you're supposed to. <laughs> okay, so he laughed and we left. And Carl and I thought that meant, you know, get out of my life and stop bothering me. But he was saying that because he was going to now look at the screen test and see what he thought. So this, we didn't know this until we got to Israel when Norman and Carl and I sat down for lunch one day and had the chance to just talk about anything. And we both asked him, why us instead of major stars? He said, I'll tell you why. He said, because every one of the major stars I was looking at were really good actors, but I can't find anybody who can sing the songs the way they should be sung. And so Barry told me, I should test you both. Perfect. Okay, so when you talk about accidents, had we not worked with Barry before in (laughs) Superstar on Broadway, Norman would have never had that suggestion. And then Norman said, when I watched your screen test, I saw two natural friendships you already had with each other. He said, it's not that I didn't think the actors could do it, but you guys not only could do it, already had it, but you could sing the songs exactly the way they're supposed to sound. So he said, I watched and I watched and I watched. And he said, the more I watched your your screen test, the more I realized, hey, Norman Jewison, you're doing the wrong thing. You're going in the wrong direction. He said, because if people are watching major stars, they're going to watch the major stars perform the acting of the characters. He said, but I didn't know either one of you. You were complete strangers to me. And when I watched the two of you sing together, I started to believe that you might be the real people that we're going to put in the movie. That that's the real people there because I don't know who you are. He said, so I decided to have nothing but 
unknown people in my movie. And that's what he did. Oh, I, that is, that's amazing. And, you know, I think it was 100% accurate because I think people found uh, found all of the actors in Jesus Christ Superstar so relatable. You know, the, yeah. you, you could be people we knew. And, you know, that kind of changes everything when you think about the story that you're telling. Sometimes it seems that there's a little bit of a disconnect, I think, for us and for me, I think that was what was so powerful about Jesus Christ Superstar and what keeps it so powerful today is that it is so relatable. Your performance, you actually uh, show us a Jesus that's ex- like somebody we would know, somebody that at times gets a little uh, unhappy about <laughs> with some people. Sometimes he's a little conflicted, uh, maybe showing a little bit of questioning and, and vulnerability. And I found that so moving at the time because I oh. don't remember seeing any kind of a depiction up until then of anybody that that made it feel like Jesus was someone that you could relate to in that sense. And that's extremely powerful, I think, in the context of the story you're telling. And absolutely likewise for Carl Anderson's portrayal of Judas. Absolutely. And and I I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you're saying. (laughs) And everybody that, that has, you know, talked personally with me about why they loved the film so much was because of the casting of the whole film. And Norman Jewison, bless his heart, didn't do biblical research. He wrote the screenplay for the film based upon Tim Rice's lyrics of each song. So each song was telling the story of the last seven days in the life of the man named Jesus of Nazareth through the eyes of his friends and enemies last seven days of his life. Only he knew, no one else knew, but he knew. And so it's it's a man, this man who was called Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the human side of the beauty that everybody worships all their lives. And and Carl and I got to be a part of it, as did Yvonne and Barry and Bob and Kurt and Josh and Larry. (laughs) You know, we call ourselves the the Grateful Eight because we all got to be in this movie. Well, Play the lead characters. Oh, yes. And I, I think because you all imbued your portrayals with such humanity, uh, I'm fairly certain uh, there were probably people that were not very comfortable with that kind of view at the time. But at the same time, once they they saw the film, uh, they actually became some of your biggest promoters. Yes, you're absolutely right. And you, the way you use that term, biggest promoters, <laughs> I, can, I can journey back to the Broadway show when we were doing it uh, in 1971. And we were in the hotels uh, just a short distance from the theater so we could walk to the hotel, excuse me, to the theater each day. And there were people surrounding the theater, the Mark Hellinger Theater at 51st and Broadway, trying to stop us from going into the theater to do the show. Now, there was never any violence at all, but they would make the crowd so thick that we had to really push ourselves through between them to get to this age door and go in. And so if I ever had a chance to, well, another thing was the producers told us not to say anything, not to react negatively because they might just 
punch us in the face instantly. So we had to do that and just smile and move. If, if I ever had a chance to get, you know, eye contact with either a man or a woman, I would say, pardon me, sir or madam. Uh, may I ask you a question, please? Yeah, yeah, what is it? Uh, I'd say, uh, have you seen our show? No, I don't want to go in there and see that den of iniquity. No, no. Oh, I'd say, uh, one other thing. Um, if you haven't seen the show, what is it you don't like about it? We hate the title, Jesus Christ Superstar. That's anti-religious. It's just terrible. And I wanted to say, oops, well, I'm not saying anything. Then yeah. I'd say, well, is there anything else? Yeah, we hear Jesus sings, and he sings with a rock and roll band. Jesus didn't sing, and I wanted so much to say, were you there? Right. But I didn't because I thought they would punch me out. <laughs> so I said, may I ask you one more question, please? Would you consider coming in tonight as my guest, watching the show, wait for me in the lobby whenever the show finishes, and I'll come out and you can tell me what it is about the show you do not like. Maybe we could change that. They instantly, their attitude changed. You would do this? And I would say, yes, of course, we're here to entertain you. We don't want to harm your memory or your religion in any way. Please come in. Well, those who were brave enough to step across that horrific threshold <laughs> and watch the show and wait in the lobby at the end. When I got out there to the lobby, the minute I opened the door, they just went threw their arms up in the air. Your show is magnificent. We're going to come back and bring all of our friends and family to see the show. So the protesters, because of all that mess that was going on outside the theater and the TV coverage and radio coverage, they were promoting the film, the play for us. They didn't know. They were helping us get the theater filled, you see. So Norman Jewison knew about that. Uh, when we were making the film, we talked about it a lot. And when we finished the film, uh, we were getting ready to get aboard the planes and all that to come home uh, from Israel. He said, Ted, we got a few minutes here. I'd just like to see what you think about this idea. He said, he did the, all of the movie companies that I've worked with all these years uh, reject my suggestion about making a film called Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I heard about all the difficulties you guys had with protests. He said, I have to figure out a way to fix that because we don't need protests. We need support. I said, great. You got any ideas? He said, yes. I'm thinking of contacting the Pope and seeing if he would grant me the opportunity to show this film to him so I can get his opinion. And I fell out of my chair. I thought, oh, you know the Pope? Ooh, okay, okay. So he did that. And then afterwards, he told me the experience. They sat in the Vatican together. This was Pope Paul VI, by the way. They sat in the Vatican together, just Norman and Pope Paul, watched the movie. Norman said, I was sitting there watching him watch the movie. He never took his eyes off the screen until the end of the film. And he said, I honestly felt that since he didn't look at me at all and didn't say anything, he was going to just look at me and do the same thing that you did in the temple in the movie when you went, get out! <laughs> You know? yeah. he said, but he said he did. He turned to me and he said, Mr. Jewison, I love your film. I believe this film will bring more people to Christianity around the world than anything ever has before. 
you have my endorsement. I will help you in any way I can. The day after that went online, distant change of everything. Everybody wanted to come see it because the Pope said it's wonderful. So how's that for accidental, maybe, if come, all, support? Yes, all of this. I'm just loving this. It's like one door opened another door that opened another door. And here we are 50 years later with a film that still seems so fresh and modern. I mean, it. it's still... I love that it's still exciting for you. It certainly oh. is for me as someone that watches it. I can not only tap into those first feelings I had as a young person watching the film, but also from the wisdom of life and experience now, looking at this film going, was there really everything that I loved about it? Like you tend to do with things that you loved so much from your past. And then when you see that it still has the same power, if not more because of your experiences in life and you see different layers and you see things differently and experience things differently. Um, yeah. it, it just becomes an even more incredible experience. And it just, it is. it's timeless, really. <laughs> I like the story. You know? It's just <laughs> unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, because it's happened because people pass it on to the, each new generation. They be to the children, to the grandchildren, and so on. And I, I, there was an experience that I had uh, on one of our early national tours uh, after the film. And, and uh, I was in the theater getting ready in my dressing room, and one of the stagehands brought me back a note that someone handed him to give to me. I opened it up and looked, and it said, Hello, Mr. Neely. Uh, uh, we're here as a family tonight, uh, my, myself and my wife and our son and his wife-to-be. And if it's possible, we would like to meet with you after the show just to say hi and thank you for this. Would, would that be possible? So I you know, told the guy to tell him, yeah, just wait outside in the lobby and I'll be there. So I go out and here stands these four people. They were just wonderful people. Dad, mom, son, and wife-to-be. And it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Now, fade, fade out there, fade back in a couple of years later. No, it was almost four years later. It was a five-year tour. Yeah, about four, four and a half years later, we go back to the same area. And one night, I get another message saying, Dear Mr. Neely, we're back, and we have a new family member we would like you to meet. So we'll be waiting for you in the lobby. Okay, so I go out to the lobby. Here's Grandpa, Grandma, Daddy, Mother, and the little girl. She looked like she was maybe four years old. And she was hiding behind her mom, you know, sneaking a look at me every so often, you know, just watching. <laughs> so we talked a bit, and finally her mom turned to her and he said, Sweetheart, isn't there something you wanted to say to Mr. Neely? And she went, Yes, Mommy. And she said, well, now would be a good time, sweetheart. So step up here and talk. So she stepped around, and she she looked like a little ballerina. She was so precious. I just wanted to pick her up and hold her forever. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> anyway, she said, uh, Mr. Neely, you are my Jesus. And then she ran back behind her mom. Oh, oh, I love that. Imagine what that did for me. Oh, oh, your heart would just be full to bursting, wouldn't it? Every time I think about it, it just beats like crazy. (laughs) 
Mr. Neely, she said. Oh, my God. So I have had this magnificent experience now for years, and I cannot wait to get right out there and do it again, and I'm hoping that I'm going to get to see you when we do this thing <laughs> over there at the beautiful Gavin Fine Arts Center. Is it, Are you close enough to maybe come see it? Oh, I am, for sure. And ah. I it, this will be your first trip to the Quad Cities and to the Galvin Fine Arts Center. And yes, if anyone's tuning in, I am borrowing some time from performance today because we We've got Ted Neely on the phone, and Ted is going to be here next Saturday for what is really going to be a phenomenal experience. I mean, as, as someone who's interested in music, too, this was a very innovative form that was launched, you know, back in the early, late 60s, early 70s, to have a rock opera. And Jesus Christ Superstar was one of those first few that was not only successful on Broadway, it was successful on the big screen. And it's because the music was amazing. The acting was amazing. The scenery, the dance scene. I mean, everything came together in this this perfect storm of what you hope a cinematic experience will be. So it doesn't surprise me at all that with every decade, and you celebrate these anniversaries, now we're at the 50th, that they are still drawing large crowds of fans, people who have seen this and want to experience it again, and people who are seeing it for the very first time. It is remarkable, and I cannot get enough <laughs> at all. And I, I would, if you don't mind, like to explain it. One of the magical things that happens when we do these screenings, we have what is called the VIP section yeah. for for fans who want to come. And uh, they, what we do is we open the doors uh, around 4 in the afternoon. That's that we've been in there and set up the theater for all that we're going to do. Uh, and the VIPs come in first. And uh, we sit with them for an hour, and we talk about anything they wish to talk about. And uh, we do everything we can to have fun with them, and that goes up until 5. And then we take a break, and everyone else comes into the theater, and we say hello and how are you and all that to the folks. And then we go into the theater itself with the entire crowd, and we sit on the stage and answer questions and so on for everybody uh, for a half an hour, and then we give them a break for do whatever they wish to go get a Coca-Cola or go to the restroom or whatever, and then they come back and we see the movie. And then at the end of the movie, I go out and wait for them, and they pass me, and I give them a hug and thank everybody for how they have inspired my life. So it is, it's like a giant family reunion every time we do this, and especially the VIP experience, because uh, we always sell out the VIPs, which blows our mind completely. And if it's just being by myself, I'm sitting there in the VIP section with somebody on my right side and somebody on my left side. If it's anybody, if Yvonne is there or anybody else in the cast, everybody has a two VIPs sitting with them. So we, it's a personal experience. And I just hope that people are aware of that because it's, it is so much fun because they come. Sometimes we're in costumes from the film. They always want to sing and dance. It's just an amazing experience. So it's, it's, if this is a really giant family reunion celebration. So I do hope you can come as our guest. No question about that. When we do this thing, I think it's the 22nd. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Saturday, twenty second. Saturday, the twenty second. Yep. Gavin Fine Arts Center. Oh, I'm yep. looking forward to this so very much. <laughs> oh, we are too. And you know, you think that is also, I think, a big part of this is it is really an immersive and kind of interactive experience, which I think is also part of the magic of this performance. It was fifty years ahead of its time in <laughs> in you know th- ways that we interact with the arts today. When we think of interactive and immersive experiences in art, this was really one of those forms that kind of set the stage for everything else that followed it. For all the reasons you mentioned, coming in costume, people that get up and sing along because they know every word to these songs. I mean, this this really rocked a lot of people's lives in all positive ways. And there's not a lot of things that you can look at sometimes where you can say everything about this was such a positive and wonderfully life-affirming experience that we really want to encourage people to get your tickets Go to Galvin Fine Arts Center, see Ted Neely. He's going to be there in the house watching this movie (laughs) with you. I think that's so great. And I'm glad you explained the VIP experience. I've been talking about it today. But there are VIP tickets, and I think they can be uh, purchased at tednealy.com. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, anything, any questions they have about the screenings, just go to tednewley.com and it, all the answers are there. And if they have any questions, they can send the questions and we'll answer them there as well. But the, the reason I'm pushing on this is that VIP is an extra moment that we all get to share together face to face personally with each person who becomes a VIP. And, but that we do that with everyone, but that we do that our an hour to an hour and a half experience before anybody else gets in the theater, just answering questions, talking about their experiences, just like you and I are talking here on the phone. And it's so wonderful to do this. Ah. Yeah. Well, I love it's. It's almost like it gives you as much as it gives the people who get to interact with you. You are absolutely correct. I cannot tell you. What an uplifting, glorious experience it is for me every time. And see, I don't really get to do that when we do it live on stage, you know, except for the people who stay after the show, you know. And sometimes it's, I'm there until 6 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I'm there for 20 minutes because everybody left. You just don't know. But this way, they're coming specifically for this experience, and we all get to share it. Well, I hope we've got people rapidly buying tickets now. I noticed there's several that have already been purchased. And if the VIPs aren't sold out, it looked like they were getting really close. So I wouldn't wait, listeners, my music lovers. If this is an experience you would like to have, I would get moving on this right now. Don't wait until (laughs) next week. (laughs) Just mark this as a must-see for next Saturday and get moving to tednealy.com and get those VIP experience tickets because uh, I can tell you just from talking with you on the phone, it's amazing to also have artists that, that want to really interact with the people oh. who come and, as you said, have made the life that you have been able to have uh, go, go on for 50 years and, and continue to captivate, you know, new generations of audiences as much as it continues to still enchant those of us who remember what it was like the first time we saw it. I think I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) 
you're so sweet, and you're saying so many wonderful things, and I'm, you're making me feel just like we just finished the screening. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, that was the gift, I guess you could say, that you and all the other cast members gave to me as a kid years ago, watching this with my parents, not really sure what kind of a movie they were taking me to and then finding out that maybe my parents were kind of cool after all and that it was something that changed the way that I looked at everything in my life oh. certainly in my faith in how I looked at other people in the kind of person that I felt I wanted to be when I oh. grew up and what oh, I wanted to do so with my sweet. life so yeah. you know and, and I know I I'm not alone in that it. Ted, I know there's other people that were impacted just like that. That's how powerful this film is. Yes, and those of we who were lucky enough to be in it were impacted the same way, literally. We're all still dear, dear friends, except we have, we lost Barry Denon and Carl. Yeah. But uh, we, we are all very close friends, and uh, it, it gave us all this wonderful life together. But I would like to just share quickly one more yes. miracle with we you. Got, with we got film. one more here, yep. <laughs> well, like you mentioned a minute ago, it, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary since it was released. Miracle? Yeah, miracle. I'm, I'm still 33 years old. <laughs> of course. It's... it's beautiful it really is <laughs> in the time space continuum it's great when it bends in these ways right <laughs> that there is still that sense of uh I, I don't know something that will live live beyond us we all know that you know we we have a certain amount of time to be here to influence hopefully and impact others in ways that will be positive, that we do no harm, that we do the very best we can with the gifts that we've been given. and Absolutely. How, how beautifully said. You yes, know, and I th agree well, with this you. is what you do, Ted. <laughs> this is what you're doing and continuing <laughs> to do. And you do it with joy. That That's oh, so clear. That just comes through loud and clear. Yeah. I mean, imagine a guy that grew up in a town that small ever getting out of the town, much yeah. less get to do what I've gotten to I, do all right? these years. Did, did you ever imagine that this would, would be your life 50 years after that? No, never ended my life at all. But the, the, the bottom line is I had dreams of my, my band being successful maybe one day, you know, making records and, you know, being the Beatles or whatever. That's what, <laughs> you know, that was my dream because I wanted to be a, a, a rock star, so to speak. But when I got the opportunity to jump into theater, I had no idea that I would even be allowed to perform, much less be to play the central characters of each play I was in. Thank you, Tom O'Horgan. Right. Uh, oh. and, and then Norman Jewison, of all people, choosing Carl and myself to be the principal cast. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah, well, the luckiest man alive. I think... There definitely the hand of providence was oh. <laughs> laid upon your head, Ted. I 
just am loving all of these stories. And I thank you so much for sharing them uh, here with our listeners this afternoon. I said, I I took some extra time because this is just really a, a really great honor for me. It's a wonderful opportunity, I think, for listeners to hear you talk about something that was so impactful 50 years ago that's still impactful today. And again, I would urge my music lovers to get out there, get those tickets right now. Uh, Galvin Fine Arts Center, 50th anniversary screening of Jesus Christ Superstar, and Ted Neely will be there. I don't know. I know. I know, music lovers. I don't need to say any more than that. You are already making a mad dash to get those tickets at tednealy.com and especially have the VIP experience. It's going to be magical. It is absolutely magical, and you will feel it the minute you walk into the theater. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and there's one other thing I didn't tell you. We have a, a brand new digitally remastered print of the film in 70 millimeter. And it's so beautiful to see and to hear because when Universal first started selling copies of it, they actually made the print from a 35 millimeter print that they went out. So we have a, the 70 millimeter print with us and it's, it's an amazing difference. It just sound visuals it's just i see things now i've never seen before so and you will too it's just the way it is especially if it's up on a big screen mm-hmm. well ted i i feel like i've already taken up so much of your time but this has been one of the great pleasures of my life to have this oh, conversation thank with you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i i can't wait to hug you and thank you face to face oh this has been just marvelous and for you to uh, generously give of your time again. Like I said, I know you've talked to several people here. So yes, to say that folks here in the Quad Cities are excited to be welcoming you here uh, for the no. 50th anniversary screening would be an understatement. <laughs> I'm, I'm floating in the clouds right now. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing you, Ted Neely, next Saturday, July 22nd. Don't wait. Get your VIP experience tickets right now at tednealy.com. Uh, that experience, like Ted said, it starts at 4.30. So you get some serious time to talk with Ted. The doors open at 6 p.m. and the show starts at 7. So be there, be square, as they used to say a long Hey, they're time ago. beautiful, yeah. <laughs> be there and be wonderful. <laughs> that, there you go. There, that's better. <laughs> Ted, if you don't mind hanging on for a few seconds, I'm going to go ahead and we'll be joining up with Performance Today for folks who listen. Uh, yes, I am bringing you Performance Today with your host, Fred Child. Uh, but I did want us all to have this opportunity to hear just some of the wonderful stories that uh, Ted has shared with us here about his experience uh, really creating and becoming synonymous with the role of Jesus Christ Superstar. So, Ted, if you'll hang on for a few seconds, let me thank you here on behalf of all of us. Thank you for your time this afternoon. My absolute pleasure. I owe you big time. <laughs> uh, well, my music lovers, thank you for joining me. This has been Music on Perspective. Yes, I know I'm ending a little bit late. My mother's rolling her eyes somewhere. I was always <laughs> the kid that never quite paid attention to time, and I'm in a business that's ruled by it. So here Bring we her to see the show as well. <laughs> right. Well, I'd love to. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, everyone. We go now to Performance Today with your host, Fred Child. <laughs> 